tonight on Unsolved Mysteries. Mystery Hum, Car Crash Thank You, Dial's Escape, and Taking a Dive. And I am your other co-host, Robert, and this is Reenacted and Unsolved Mysteries Podcast. For real this time. For real. <laughs> uh, Crystal! So Yeah, the cricket stopped just now, by the way. The cricket that was chirping. Oh, okay. The, the, stopped. The one that we totally were not going to make the third host of this program in order to yeah. compensate for Absolutely your cat's inability not. to hunt it down and kill it. Fantastic. Yeah. I think the cat may have found it. It just got real quiet. Oh. I don't hear the cricket anymore. Excellent. Um, All right. Well, then. Well, that's that's a mystery solved. Yes. What's yes. Going on with this cricket. Well, well, we'll we'll need a different uh, opening topic then than the the cricket, the annoying cricket in your house. Do you have any other thing you would like to talk about? Or? Um. Yeah, so when we were just chatting before the show, mm-hmm. and definitely not uh, in some other recording that we had to abandon totally suddenly, that also didn't happen, so the Cricket was never going to be the third co-host, and we are definitely doing this recording for the first time right now. I uh, was talking to you, though, about we need to have a backlog of episodes, um, because I am going to be taking a extended, not too long, but an extended trip in April. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to Japan. What Japan? <laughs> oh, what a genuine reaction from you, my friend. <laughs> yes, totally not prepared in the slightest. I am no. Uh, <laughs> people are listening to this, and they're probably like, "Are they?" on drugs what is going on <laughs> over there with these two uh, I, yeah we i i just i i've been talking about it for a couple weeks now i've got a really big birthday coming up this year nice um okay. it's finally my turn oh for that birthday i see and i am going to blow it out by realizing a lifelong dream. I have always wanted to go to Japan. I took three years of Japanese in college, of which I remember very little. So that probably won't be super useful. And I uh, have, yeah, we bought the plane tickets. Haven't booked any hotels yet, but we're going. Yeah, we're going in April, and I'm gonna not gonna give any dates away because I don't want anyone to break into my house. Yeah, uh, while we're away. Uh, but. <laughs> yeah we're gonna we're probably gonna catch the a little bit of the tail end of the uh cherry blossom situation that i hear is a big deal oh yes yes over there um we are unfortunately going to be missing the last days of the gundam factory in yokohama being open they are closing that down um so we will not be able to see the real life gundam Oh, okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, oh, that's right. They have that big statue that 
or, or, mm-hmm. or thing that articulates and moves. I, I was yeah. <laughs> when you said Gundam factory, I was like, wait, you mean a mm-hmm. factory? There's a factory that builds actual like robot suits and stuff. Yes. I have summoned you here for a purpose. Nobody summons Megatron. Then it pleases me to be the first. What? Yeah, if to to fight the kaiju. How else are you going to do it? Well, I can't really think of any way, so I, I guess robot suits, <laughs> giant robot, robot suits it is. Damn, I... <laughs> But oh man! But this is so awesome. You're going to Japan. How 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 long are you going to yeah. be there for? Like, we'll be there for ten nights. Ten nights. Yeah. 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 So I feel like that isn't long enough, but I think that's about what we can spare with taking off of work and having to find pet sitters and all the other things that come with uh, being a responsible adult. But um, it kind of came down to if not now, when really? And uh, I kind of ran out of excuses. I have the money. I've been saving. Mm-hmm. Um, the bills will be paid. Uh, mm-hmm. My husband is. Uh, I already talked to my work about it, and they were like, "Sounds great." So I was like, "Okay, well." Fantastic. And uh, yeah, and my I didn't even have to do a hard sell on my husband. He was like, "Yeah, that sounds like a, an adventure. Let's let's make it happen." So as uh, so, um, in any uh, any particular uh, besides from cherry blossom sort of stuff any mm-hmm. particular activities or, or locations you have in mind well i have some general ideas about what i would like to do while i'm there although not really anything specific i mean there's the obvious stuff like go to the temples in kyoto and so on and so forth but um there's some more specific activities i would like to try and do while i'm there i would really like to go to a sumo match okay um, I'm not, sh- I'm pretty sure there aren't any tournaments ongoing in April. I've already looked, so I might, I might have to satiate my, uh, thirst for sumo by just maybe going to visit a stable or something. Yeah. Um, I, uh, you know, sumo is, uh, an erotic art form for some people. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I, I suppose uh, I, I can believe that. Yeah. Something yeah. very appealing about seeing like massive guys just oiled up and shoving each other okay yeah yeah that uh any yeah crickets right that cricket just started back up <laughs> on my own with that one i think uh and then they have these things in japan and i've just started seeing them recently um in the la area as well and any of the listeners if you want to chime in if you've seen these in your area if you're aware of them but there's something called a head spa and these are all over Japan. It's a very popular thing. And what it is, is you go in, and I know I'm only aware of this because there is an ASMR channel on YouTube. Oh, of course. All right. <laughs> so, I mean, I feel like I feel like everybody who wants to go to Japan is into their own little sick little uh, subculture. And whether that's your very specific anime or Gundam or video games or you know samurai or whatever it is so this is my very specific <laughs> yours little sicko thing that i'm into <laughs> as i've watched all these videos there's this there's this gal uh she's not japanese but she lives in japan and she goes and she goes to the all these like spa services and makes these asmr videos and they're very relaxing and one of the ones that is very unique to Japan is that uh, they do these head spas and you go in and they like assess your scalp 
Mm. You have this like uh, camera. You can get these things on Amazon if you want to do it yourself. But these like you know really like microscopic camera things, and they show you how nasty your scalp is, and they show you like the your the your hair health and all that. And then you do this like hour long massage aromatherapy you know each spa has their own little take on it yeah yeah and they wash your hair and massage your head and like the whole just seeing it happen to someone else looks so relaxing and i have been dying to go to a japanese head spa um but they are starting to offer these services at regular salons here in la i've I've seen it pop up here and there it's kind of a new thing uh, but it's something I would really like to go do. That's my little get the authentic article. Freak. Yeah, yeah, my little freak thing that I want to do in Japan. <laughs> this is head uh, spa. <laughs> well, that's yeah, that's that's no weirder than any of the other <laughs> reasons people get into Japan. Um, hey, should we talk about Unsolved Mysteries season seven, episode twenty? Well, it would have been more awesome if one of these uh, segments had a trip to Japan in it, but yeah, let's go ahead and do that. Looking for your next audio binge? Bridge Burner is an independent podcast collective with all types of shows guaranteed to bring you hours of enjoyment. Podcasts like Reenacted, an Unsolved Mysteries podcast. On Reenacted, hosts Robert and Crystal watch and discuss the classic episodes of Unsolved Mysteries. They don't take themselves or the program seriously. They're just a couple of dummies who love Unsolved Mysteries. Or try Piloting Error, a crash course in abandoned media. Hosts Joe and Stu and guests walk scene by scene through television pilots that were aired but never picked up for series. It's time capsule of the bizarre. Maybe you'll enjoy Bill and Rob's An Excellent Adventure, where hosts Bill and Rob find the joy in watching a lackluster series of films like Predator or pre-MCU Marvel films. Hey, you could even check out The Bachelor Masters, a non-corporate show about the Bachelor franchise. What does the Bachelor series say about society? This podcast will let you know. If these shows sound fun, then you'll definitely enjoy Pumpkin Spice Podcast, a seasonal treat where comedy and horror movies meet all year long. But wait, there's more. Bridgeburner also has access to two Mike Sachs exclusives, Randy, the full and complete audio memoir of The Amazing Life and Times of Randy S., and Passing on the Right, both hilarious pieces of audio fiction created by the award-winning writer Mike Sachs. If you have a podcast that you think would fit with the Bridgeburner Collective, reach out to any of these shows, and they'll let you know how to join. Remember, five stars are our favorite, We love reviews, and also, share every single one of these podcasts in your group chat. It's BridgeBurner, and you can see more at BridgeBurner.page. What's really exciting is, Mm -hmm. even though uh, the first segment we're going to talk about isn't ghosts or UFOs or... Mm-hmm. or such it is at least far less insulting than our many of our previous yes. recent previous unexplained segments about 
Ouija boards or electrical women mm-hmm. or like being visited by your deceased accountant through dreams so he can tell you where your yes. <laughs> where your misplaced W two is. Um, yes, um, is that something that you've experienced? It is tax season in the United States, so it is. I I I, I did. Uh, I do. Uh, I will be. I will be contracting my taxes to be done by my accountant friend, Howard. Oh, hey, what up, Howard? If he's listening. <laughs> Does he listen to the podcast? I'm not sure. Uh, oh. You know, I, 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 I advertised the pod pretty heavily in our first uh, couple years on my social media. Yeah. Um, yes. So, I mean, I would assume that, like, basically anyone who was going to listen at that point listened and anyone who was never going to listen right. isn't certainly isn't listening now <laughs> oh well you know i think we've kind of figured out in our last three years what we're doing here out of the almost seven that we've been doing this i think uh, maybe it's maybe we let those people know hey this is worth checking out yes again yes it's better now <laughs> i think Indeed. so yes unlike unlike uh the um steaming piles of horse shit we've had to sift through uh at the beginning of every episode it feels like for the last year uh we are now going to talk about extremely wait hold on let me make sure i get the acronym correct yes here uh i, I think it's extremely low frequency um is that it eof yeah yes. i think so yeah yeah, ELF or ELF, if you want to call it that. Um, so there's uh, a couple of folks that get interviewed for this segment, and all of them are experiencing basically the same thing, and that is that they hear a persistent low hum in their. They well, uh, is it a, are they hearing it or are they sensing it? There seem to be a lot of it's background because it's certainly like some of them kind of describe that like they like they can feel it in their bodies too right mm-hmm. at least yeah some of them, like yeah. uh what's this what's this guy um what's this guy's name the first guy they talked to uh, i i don't know crystal hearing... i had to close my wiki page because okay. well, really <laughs> because garage band was giving me such issues uh <laughs> <laughs> Another, 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 another glimpse behind the curtain for uh, rump. Yeah, I mean, I, I think every digital, every uh, sort of technical issue we could have possibly encountered in the time of recording this podcast, not this episode, but just in general, mm-hmm. we have encountered. Yeah. Um. So, and that was just the one today. Okay. So, ha- so Hal, his name is Hal. Al says it sounds like a truck that is trying to get up a hill. So it's this real low rumbly sound. And he says, you know, some days he can feel it more. He's sensing it in the right side of his body or the left side. Yeah. Um, some days are more intense than others. And uh, what the reason I'm not like calling bullshit on this is because um, 
this is multiple of people experiencing the same thing, right? Right. So this isn't just one person being like, this weird happen- thing happened to me one time. Yeah, I mean, that um, exactly. That's the thing. Like, when, when I watch this segment, I mean, many, many, many of our previous uh, most recent unexplained segments have just, like, have, have caused me to just be incredulous and just want to like slam my fist through a wall. Cause I'm like, what, what is this BS? But I mean, this seems definitely like these are people who are genuinely experiencing something. Uh, they are definitely experiencing something. And I'm, as soon as this segment came up, I'm like, Oh, we're going to talk about the Taoist hum, which is a really well-known phenomenon. And it's not just the three people that are interviewed and unsolved mysteries that have experienced this. It's, we're talking about hundreds, if not thousands of people have, uh, had this in the area of Taos, New Mexico have had this experience. Um, Hal is not from New Mexico. Um, but there are a number of people all over the country that, uh, that also experience hearing this persistent, um uh so how you know he's talking about like he does yoga and shit and he's like all in tune with his body and you know there's he went and got tested unsolved mysteries went with him to do a hearing test they said uh the doctor said he had some hearing loss but nothing that would have caused would cause him to hear or feel this like rumbly hum Mm-hmm. Uh, all the time. Um, then we also talked to Sarah Allen, yeah. who's a radio broadcast engineer, and she says uh, it, she started hearing it after. Um, it was interesting though. She's a radio broadcast engineer, and then she's hearing it because she said she she started hearing it after she was uh, f- fixing a, a radio transmitter in 1992. Uh, and then she's actually the one that sort of plays a digital recording of what the hum sounds like. And she, in the in the interview with her, she's sort of toying with the volume so that we can get a sense of, uh, it's just at the threshold of her hearing. Yeah, like... Which is what this cricket is doing to me right now. <laughs> the cricket is back. Yeah, and that was... That was the thing is like she I mean when she turned it down she's like this is about where it's at and I was like I can barely even hear it which to me sounds like that would be the worst like I would rather it be kind right. of loud and rumbling and whatnot because eventually it kind of just be yeah. like a white noise like so much like um yes uh but but I mean and that's the thing people people are always at like whether it's roommates or, or whatever like oh you know I uh, I, I didn't want to wake you up with, uh, with a loud TV. And I was like, no, no, I, I like, I sleep through, I sleep through people watching loud TVs, partying, whatever. Mm-hmm. The thing that keeps like, that will wake me up and keep me from being able to go back to sleep is like people whispering, you know, like say a roommate gets home and they're like whispering to like, whoever yeah. they, they brought home. Because they they're trying to like keep from waking me up, but it's like you're right. no, you're having the opposite effect. Sorry. Yeah, I agree with you. There's things like my dog uh, does sort of this little bit of a whine that is just at the threshold of my hearing, mm-hmm. and it it will he could be across the house, and I would, you know, oh. it would bother me. Yeah. 
and it's just it's just the softest little whine and i'm not even sure that dave my husband can hear it i'm maybe he can but it drives me up a wall like i the if the dog is crying and not the you know he's a little he's a little dumb bitch baby my dog i love him he's a sweetie but yeah he's just a little dummy and so he makes this like little chihuahua ish little whine that he does and it drives me crazy so you know i can see these people are like um you know suffering from this for sure i mean right. maybe not uh in a way that's measurable to us um finally um there's winono uh, whithead who also uh, much like sarah lives in the taos well she lives in santa fe but that's not too far from taos new mexico and they played unsolved mysteries played sarah's recording for winona and she was very visibly disturbed by it did you notice that you, she was like right oh no it's so t- terrible yeah I mean, well and that was sort of the interesting aspect was because like these are uh, you know people at very different locations uh you know one guy's up in near michigan or whatever and mm-hmm. you know they you're we're, we're comparing and contrasting what they describe and then we you know sarah creates the the sound uh recreates it as mm-hmm. close as she can and then they play it to someone else and they're like yeah that's pretty close that's pretty close uh so it's kind of like yeah this is this is seems to be the same phenomenon that that's that these poor people mm. are encountering um so the running theory throughout this segment is that people started hearing this uh as shortly after the u.s navy created elf um to communicate with submarines so the idea is that these low frequencies can penetrate to the ocean floor to submarines to transmit radio signal okay mm-hmm. um because a submarine just you if you're so basically like if you're in a sub underwater i guess you can't just like turn on an fm radio or something you're not going to get anything <laughs> in the ocean but you can get an, uh, an elf so um so that system has been operational since the late 1980s which is right about when people started hearing this hum um, the first actual incidence of people hearing the hum was was in Great Britain in the ni- in 1970, um, which is interesting because the ELF wasn't being wasn't invented yet. Uh, and then it it's been you know countries all over that the world that we know of. Uh, yeah, yeah, that we know about. Yeah, and countries all over the world, um, people have reported hearing this this hum. Um, so unsolved mysteries is basically interviewing a couple of people, but they've, they've all connected with each other and some kind of worldwide support group where they're trying to get to the bottom of what the hell is the sound. And, uh, you know, even scientists have gone up to Taos to try and find the source of the hum. They brought that guy Hal underground, interestingly. Right. Just, and he said, yeah, he said the sound got more intense the farther underground he went. Which, I mean, the thing, I mean, that's that's interesting from just a bit of like, I mean, uh, that's a piece of, uh, um, that's a cl- clue for whoever's trying to figure this thing out. But also, mm-hmm. I kind of felt relieved because, you know, he's like, no, I still feel it. And if anything, it's, you know, even more intense. And I was like, 
in a way, I'm kind of relieved that he didn't go down there and it was like, yeah, I can't hear it at all now. I mean, because mm-hmm. that would then pose a very cruel thing of like, well, you there is one way for you to not hear this hum, and it only requires you becoming some sort of underground dweller. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Hal, you got to live in a basement now. Um, So, yeah. So basically, Unsolved Mysteries, there's no update here, though. The the thing is, the towels hum and and worldwide, this this ELF, not as generated by the Navy, but just sort of this ambient sound that a lot of people are able to hear um, has been investigated um, multiple times. Uh, Unsolved Mysteries doesn't really like give us any sort of clarification. They're like, well, isn't that neat? <laughs> Basically, it's <laughs> the end of the <laughs> well, end of the segment. It's not, it's not really involving us, so what do we care what what anyone else turns up about about this? Right. So, uh, but if the audience and you are interested, I do have the wiki open, and I I honestly think this is a very interesting explanation. Oh, okay. If, let's hear it. If y'all, if y'all want to hear it, um, so there uh, is this prevailing theory that the sound is actually ocean waves hitting the ocean floor. Huh. Or, yeah. Um, so the idea is that sea waves colliding with the ocean floor might be the trigger behind it. Okay, so in a scientific study published in the respected scientific journal Geophysical Research Letters, which I know we all have a subscription, yes, uh, the experts show that the Pacific coast of North America is the strongest source for the hum, and the sound is produced as two waves of similar frequencies, but opposite directions. Um, they collide with each other and generate a very special type of pressure wave, which travels downward towards the ocean floor at fairly large speeds. When it reaches the bottom, so there's so there's the force of the ocean crashing into a shoreline, and then there's the the back wave, the other force, the you know the inertia of the the water going back over those other waves. Do you understand? Yes. So, energy is coming towards the shoreline in the water. Energy is getting pushed back as the water hits the shore, hits the land. Okay. And the intersection of those two waves creates a pressure wave, which travels downward towards the ocean floor at fairly large speeds. When it reaches the bottom, it slams into the rocks, causing it to vibrate, giving off the mysterious low-frequency sound. Um, The hum sounds to us as being generated nonstop because it happens in a lot of places around the world and because waves of opposite directions always interact with each other. The new new research was made possible by the fact that seismographs can easily detect this low noise. So... You, I mean, this is pretty well established at this point. If you look at seismographs, that you know, there's always this sort of vibration of the earth, basically, mm-hmm. uh, that's measurable. Um, oddly enough, they say there was little noise recorded as coming from the deep sea, which seems to indicate that the humming occurs mostly near coastal areas where the seafloor is much more close to the surface than in the deep sea. The investigation used scientific data collected between. November of 2006 and June of 2007, and the experts believe it may be possible that the actual patterns vary with seasons. A study spanning several years is in order if the noises, patterns, and origins are to be accurately identified. What this does not answer for me, though, is why in the hell 
thousands of people in the middle of New Mexico are hearing a hum. Yeah, that's interesting. Like, I, I mean, I would, I would, I would assume that. I mean, there's certain people who like they're born and their hearing just has something where they're gonna pick up, you know, one something off from what most people can. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then the fact that there's like a cluster in New Mexico is is odd because mm-hmm. that like is there some sort of weird this is god i'm glad i didn't say this i was about to say something like is there some weird cave where the sound travels from like the pacific coast to new mexico (laughs) it's like well i'm that would be crazy because new mexico as we all know is very landlocked Mm -hmm. and uh yeah but it might be something else because again it's not there the god i'm gonna sound like a The Earth has a resonance because of tectonic activity. So, like I just said, you can see that there's a little. Uh, when you look at a seismograph, even when it, a quote unquote earthquake isn't happening, there's just this vibration. Okay, and that is the vibration of the Earth. Now, is it possible that there's some areas of of land where, because of tectonic activity, there's just a low hum going on? I don't know. Yeah. And why some people can hear it and why some others can't. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 there's, it's, it's, it's a sciencey thing. Yeah. <laughs> science right, stuff. The, <laughs> science, science stuff. But there's still a little bit of mystery here, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because... I mean, some people... I mean, obviously not everyone in Dallas is hearing this hum, but... A lot of people do, and I'm kind of worried. Like I was about, I was at some point during this the, this recording, I was going to say like maybe we should go down to Taos, but then like I was like no, no, because it becomes like one uh-huh. of those things where like once you've opened the door to the spirits, you've let them in. Only this time it's the hum. Right. Like we go down there, right. and it it jars loose something in our our hearing, and then like from there on mm-hmm. out, we can't we hear the hum all the time that would be, yeah I, I i truly feel uh sympathetic to those poor people who are having to deal with this this is like yeah well i mean it's the same thing as like living with tinnitus right i you just have that ringing in your ears which is awful but you learn to live with it i i'm going to just nod my head as if i knew that those two two things were connected together and i and i knew what tinnitus was and uh other than yeah i i is that what i I, i've heard the name i i never really knew what the what wow okay yeah well tinnitus can be temporary right like we've all experienced ringing in our ears either because of a pressure change or getting hit in the head or something like that i stuck my finger in Um, too far yes uh (laughs) But there are people who have persistent tinnitus, which means they have a ringing in their ears all the time. And that's caused by issues uh, within the inner ear, I believe, oh. um, or hearing loss. Um, much like this cricket is driving me crazy, I might just have to learn to live with it. So, <laughs> As I said, or didn't say, our, our new co-host... <laughs> uh, well, this... Th- um- but an uh, epilogue, though, I have been to Taos, 
I went when I was a child. I don't I don't recall any hum and it didn't follow me anywhere. Okay. So <clears throat> Okay. Wow. Yeah. Mm. been all over the place from taos to soon I'm... to tokyo <laughs> yeah from taos to tokyo baby that's me <laughs> that's what they say it sounds like the that sounds like a great road trip um journey trip movie that's that's or a fantastic jazz album from taos to tokyo uh yeah well we'll have to we'll have to get the copyright on that done really quickly um yes yes before this episode airs yes um. well uh yeah this this i like this segment um i did too I, I think it was a return to the marfa lights which is just like there's a phenomenon we're gonna attempt to explain what it is and it's multiple people are experiencing the same thing it's not just this weird thing happened to me one time yeah it's it's not like it's not like i had a dream about my podiatrist uh that and I use that to find out where my car keys were. Um, yeah. <laughs> which I'm sorry. That's 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 the kind of segments that they've been throwing at us for. Yeah, pretty uh, much. I mean, you know, for at least like the last dozen episodes, it feels like. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, so uh, our next segment actually takes us. On a journey as well, but this time from Atlanta to Ciudad Victoria in Mexico. Good job. Gracias. Um, um, Ciudad means city. Yeah, yes, yes. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this, this involves the Do- Dover family sure yeah uh they, i mean they're a family they got all sorts of members we're not gonna bother <laughs> relaying their names <laughs> <laughs> i mean there's there's a grandpa on the back of the like they it's yeah. it starts out it's kind of fun they're like because you know it's a they're they're all piling into the van and you mm-hmm. know you got your grandpa you got like you got different you know multiple generations in there uh, uh mm-hmm. and they're they're i mean it's it's like little miss sunshine uh yeah yeah it's exactly like that yeah and you know like i i i I kind of really actually genuinely genuinely like the reenactment if the entire segment had just been about their road trip with no no mystery involved i would have been perplexed but not upset like i mean like at one point one of them like i don't know uh is like one of them's looking through the box of like snacks they brought along the way and then you know he's siphoning through it and he makes some joke like oh grandpa must have ate the last and he's like grandma's like i did not <laughs> and they all laugh and it's fun um and so yeah they're they're driving from atlanta to uh to the eastern coast of mexico 
and as you do yeah for christmas yeah (laughs) i think it's also worth noting that this family does not appear to be mexican so it's not like they were gonna visit some relatives they were just like nah we're just gonna go to this random town yeah but i I, I was trying to discern i mean uh, what happened like why I, because I, I, I admit it, I wasn't paying too close attention when they they mm-hmm. started the journey. I guess like, the, you know, the wiki made some reference to a relative or some something. So maybe they had someone. Oh. Uh, I mean, who was just down there or, or living down mm-hmm. there or whatever. I guess. Uh, maybe, maybe it's uh, maybe it's actually someone from a previous segment of Unsolved Mysteries who had to flee to Mexico to evade the law. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's always funny for me. Is like to like imagine if like Unsolved Mysteries people that appear in one segment like end up tangentially interacting with other Unsolved Mysteries um, uh, guests and don't even realize it. Uh, anyway, Unsolved Mysteries gives us a, a, a neat little map of their road trip. Uh, mm-hmm. And it, it's funny, like, this came on just shortly after I had been looking at uh, some image someone shared. Like, it's like s- something they show their European friends to convey uh, uh, about, like, distances and stuff to compare, you know, compare U.S. and, and uh what like traveling from one state would equate to traveling across a certain country in Europe or, or whatnot. And the map was Mm -hmm. showing that like, yeah, I guess it was to point out how wide Texas is that the distance from El Paso, Texas Uh, to, I can't even, I can't even with Texas. Well, yeah. I mean, no offense to all, all of our lovely Texas uh, Texan listeners and friends, but yeah, I mean. No, no, no. I'm just saying the ge. I'm not even talking about anything controversial. Just the geography. Yeah, like, no, Texas no. I, I, that's what I'm talking about enormous. too. It's like that place is freaking wide. Like, it, I mean, it's it's literally like El Paso, Texas, is literally closer to Phoenix, Arizona, mm-hmm. than it is to yeah. Houston. Yeah. I. Like, on my great cross-country trip across mm-hmm. uh, the uh, uh, from from the west out to St. Louis, um, mm-hmm. I mean, I only kind of just sort of I, I ended up passing a little bit through the Panhandle of Texas before entering the Panhandle of Oklahoma, uh, before finally entering yeah. the Panhandleless state of Kansas. But even mm-hmm. then, like, I was just kind of like, at that point I was driving, I was like, man, like, if I had to cross the entire state, that would add on just, that, that'd that be like a whole journey in and of itself. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, both you and I, I say, would live in very big states. I've, I've, I've driven across the widest part of Nevada. Mm-hmm. And that well, don't do not recommend. Don't do that. There's nothing out there. Uh, but yeah, that's a long ass drive. So for the widest part of Nevada, starting in like Reno and then ending in what is that town? Elko. Uh, no, the one that's on the border with Utah. Oh, Wendover. Wendover. Yeah. That's about an eight hour drive conservatively. Uh, yeah, yeah. And and then like I I live in California. And end to end, 
if you're doing Mexico border to Oregon border, you that's, know, a, that's journey. a good 13 or 14 hours. Yeah. Um, uh, but Texas is unknowable. It cannot be measured. I, I mean, you, you might as well just be going out in a rocket ship trying to reach the end of the universe at that point, right? Yeah. In fact, yes. can we really get confirmation that anyone's ever successfully traveled across the width of Texas? I don't feel like that's that's no. really a thing. I, I feel like you kind of... There's like... People have never been to the Mariana Trench, to the bottom of that, just because of the pressure issues, and no one has ever been across the widest part of Texas. It's just... It's never been done. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just one of those mysteries that'll never get solved. Um, we will get to Mars before anyone crosses Texas completely. It's, you know, like I, I can only imagine that there's some, there's, there's some young kid out there in El, El Paso, Texas. And, yeah. and like when he, he, he sits, you know, he's, he's like fifth grade and he sits in class and he looks at that like map and sees Houston all the way on the other end of the state. And he's yeah. like, Hmm. Pitch and it's like, you know, will will humanity someday accomplish that? Which it seems kind of yeah. like a deep thought for a fifth grader, uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And then he and then that kid grows up to be Matthew McConaughey in Interstellar. Whoa! <laughs> oh man! I I have completely forgotten what the hell we were talking about. <laughs> oh, it's okay. It's just the Dofer family. <laughs> um anyway they they make it into mexico and they have they have a little reenactment of like there's like a mexican police um on the uh the road because as as it turns out a unusually unusual weather pattern is hitting uh, that that part of mexico Mm -hmm. involving lots of precipitation and snow yeah Uh, and the the direct route to where they were heading was actually uh the road was not safe to be traveling on uh yeah and yeah so they had to go go around and we get this like reenactment of them driving with snow how mm-hmm. do, wh- what do you what do you think they did to create the effect of uh there's like that artificial snow they use in movies right yeah yeah they probably just called up north hollywood ice and said bring the snow truck and they shot some snow all over it okay which is a real thing that you can do and this is a real advertisement for North Hollywood Ice Company. If you need snow on the go, snow. you can call North Hollywood Ice. <laughs> well, uh, we certainly aren't tipping our hand as to who our secret sponsor is. <laughs> I know whenever I'm out on the beach and it's a hot summer day, I yeah. call up North Hollywood <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay let's just um all right so they're driving along the uh uh you know through the snow and we get like i don't know like a guy in generation two telling a guy in generation three of the family uh-huh. who's dri- sure. yeah who's driving like hey you um slow down a bit because you know the roads are starting to mm-hmm. get uh, yeah. In the bad, and no sooner had he said that than they end up in the car crash. Yeah. Yeah, and it's um, I mean they're they're just <laughs> this is where I, maybe I shouldn't have been eating while I 
um, watch the segment because I like looked up for my food and I'm like, so did they just all get out of the car and like lay down on the ground or is this? I mean, they they seem to be scattered all over the place, and I'm not sure that's just like people they're they're being mm-hmm. shuffled. What happens is like this like American couple who are both doctors stop and they're like looking at like checking them out and. They're they're telling the because uh, some Mexican police arrive too and they're like oh get get this person in this car and we need to go to the hospital and this and they 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 throw a couple of them in the back of a pickup truck, um, which uh, Unsolved Mysteries points out may have saved the the Gen One of the family the grandfather's um, life because mm-hmm. being in in that severe cold actually may have caused his blood to clot up uh, quicker or something. Mm-hmm. apparently um then like one one member of the family he describes waking up in i guess it's like a small rural medical center and he describes mm-hmm. that it felt like being in mash which mm-hmm. if you're gen z uh mash was a program that if you were a millennial was on like yeah for, it was on all the time. Yeah. Constantly. Yeah. The, the, the reruns of it were, were prolific everywhere. Uh, I mean, I was, I don't know about you, but for me, like coming home from school. Yeah. Um, you know, like, like three to five was like mm-hmm. some cartoons were on and stuff. Batman, yeah. the animated yes. series and whatnot. Uh, uh-huh. From six to seven, they played two episodes of The Simpsons on Fox, mm-hmm. uh, followed by uh, a rerun of Star Trek: The Next Generation from seven to eight. And then, of course, once you hit yep. eight, you're you're at primetime programming, and there's whatever's mm-hmm. available that night to look forward to. The the truly challenging hour, though, was from five to six. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're like they're not really showing any of those car- after school cartoons anymore, but no. Uh, you're you're kind of you're an hour away from that other programming, and Mash was about the best you could find. Uh, because yeah. they'd be playing. I also remember like an instant. It was it usually followed cartoons, right? So even on Saturday morning, like oh we're done with cartoons and now it's three hours of Mash. Right. Okay. So. Yeah. So it was also a Saturday occurrence that on in your media market as well. Huh. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Appa- and appa- so at that point when I when I heard <laughs> Okay, that was the mash theme. Yeah. When it was, I heard that it was time to go outside. Time to do something else with my day. TV is over. Because it's just mash was just on all the time. I honestly, I, I recall that we talked about this probably years ago on the podcast about how like persistent Mash was. Oh yeah. Hey, but what happened to the Dover family? Oh, uh, they so, survived. Right? Um, you know, like what, what? Like the guy who came to, he initially was kind of worried because he didn't see some of them, and he's like, "Oh no, mm. some of them are already in the morgue or something." Uh, but this very nice uh, Mexican nurse who spoke uh, decent English was like, you know, soothing him. And then uh, as he's recovering, like he spoke with the uh, the wife and the uh, of the American couple. And they, you know, they they helped 
I guess, uh, uh, assist with uh, all the medical stuff that that they were requiring. Because, I mean, this is like, this is a whole van load of injuries that are probably, you know, serious injuries that were being dumped into this small rural medical center all at once. Um, and basically, it's just, you know, the, the, the family's like, we sure would like to meet that that couple who saved our lives. And it jumps right to a, we get a, uh, an, a text update. The, I guess unsolved mysteries didn't want to pay for the plane tickets for the entire family to go. Meet no. The, um, well, they didn't even want to play for, pay for the plane tickets for the, the film crew. Right. To go capture this, you know? <laughs> true. True. Yeah. Uh, so the, uh, we just got a text update it says that like, Someone who was watching the show, like they recognized the story from like they had gotten the 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 doctor couples version of it uh, from because they knew them like their their friends had told them like oh we you know we, when we were down in Mexico we came across this horrible car crash and uh, you know we had uh, had to spend a few days in this town help like just helping treat the uh, this this family that was in the car so. Uh, through that the, the the two the the two were the the couple and the family were able to come together and and meet apparently and then reminisce over that day so that's nice um yeah yeah also that's uh, nice we we didn't we didn't mention it but in between this and the mystery hum segment there we had an update mm. on the school bus uh <laughs> the school bus family yes family now, what mm-hmm. was interesting about this was not that update, and there's only reason for us to go over it because we got we're shown the update when we saw the actual segment earlier in this mm-hmm. season. But I don't know if you noticed, like when we were watching mm-hmm. during the the opening to this episode, after Stack, you know, they the the initial opening where it's like tonight stacks like tonight on unsolved mysteries and you know they show you a montage of some of this stuff and he describes the uh the segments and then we mm-hmm. get the this unsolved mysteries uh opening title sequence right i don't know if you mm-hmm. noticed when in, in the part where like the different segment types come flying at the screen mm. there's an adr of stack talking i didn't notice that yeah it it was it it was like it was weird it, like you know this is something we've never encountered it was like it 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 very much reads like I'm I'm assuming that there must have been something where the um where the this is like around the time that the actual like call in reunion thing happened and they they're like oh we gotta get this in and and Stack had already gone on. <laughs> gone on set to record the stuff uh-huh. so they must have just had him like do some adr stuff he's like also tonight we have a update on a re- you know reunion of a, a f- family blah 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 and it's happening during the opening title sequence of unsolved mysteries i was like what and i don't know it kind of almost sort of in a way it was even more than the cheapness of the unexplained segments we've been getting uh-huh. just the way they shoehorn an ADR stack talking over the 
opening titles of unsolved mysteries kind of just spoke of a like let's just get this done as cheaply as possible um yeah yeah i mean i think that's sort of what's happening i was yeah i was watching the title sequence um such as it is now in season seven and it's so action-packed and then there's like a cgi ufo and then it's this car flipping over and (laughs) It's all, and I was like, "Where? Wh- I want to watch that show." <laughs> right? A UFO, a car flipping over, and instead we get like someone mis- using a Ouija board to contact yeah. Pablo Picasso or, or something. Yeah, exactly. It, yeah. Um. So that was the Dover family. Um. It was, you know, it was just a basic lost loves sort of thing. I mean, I guess it's not really a love, but it's a a missed connection. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. Um, uh, You know, uh, I mean, no complaints. It's just short and simple, and it is what it is. Look, this is very funny. Because I actually in the, in the I got wiki, a lot of it says Bobby's occupation is chicken farmer. <laughs> okay. Oh, oh, like was that the occupation at the time of the they were found? No. That, I mean, yes, it was the time they were found. So that's spoiler. Okay. So um Bobby is married to Randy. Uh, who is the deputy warden of the Oklahoma State Reformatory, a.k.a. its prison. So, um, you know, we spend a couple of seconds here really uh, gassing up Robert Dial here, who's a model prisoner slash convicted murderer. And um, he is also, I don't know if this was mentioned, but probably it should have been. He was the caretaker of the Parker's house. Right, right. That because that was his, his, his like his trustee duty. Okay, that was his trust. Because I was only paying attention to the part where he was like running an art program with Bobby at the prison. Oh yeah, and I I think how 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 it started was like because, uh, yeah, he was like one of the trust, such a model prisoner that he's one of the ones that you, right. they just like let walk out of the prison and you'd go over to the uh, the. Is that a thing that you can do? Yeah, yeah. I um. You just have to be back by a certain time. Basically, they're like it's um. Okay. Uh, there. Yeah, there's like, uh, if um, I, I mean the 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 one you know like, cause his job is to go like take care of the the assistant warden's uh, house. I can only assume there's also a trustee that took care of the warden's house, and mm-hmm. their trustees are just you know like. Are allowed to go want you know do stuff outside and i mean i guess like if if they don't escape it's you, you, you after so many repeated plays like i mean you know mm-hmm. it's like well uh, i mean they said he was a model prisoner um uh yeah he uh he was he was taking care of the uh of the assistant warden's house amongst other things oh I sounds like it. Uh, so yeah, I was a little confused where the ceramic studio and the reenactment was, but I guess it was in their garage. I thought it was at the prison. Yeah. Um, I, I also don't know what the geography here is. How does 
do the Parkers live like next to the prison? Yeah, that's something? the really disconcerting thing because it kind of just depicts like their ha- like. I mean, the reason he's 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 allowed like part of like him being allowed to walk out is it's not like he's going across town or something. He's he's walking, um, from the front entrance of the prison down a sidewalk to and and then take takes a right and they're like their house is right like I guess on the grounds. I guess you, they're getting like. Part of the perks of the job is on-site housing. I I suppose I I don't know. Let's Which don't, if I don't, anyone knows if anyone's done time or worked at a prison, please write us an email. Which I mean, to me, like I'm sorry, like I get like like people working in the park service or whatever who have mm-hmm. like on-site housing that makes sense to me and is like right. not as creepy as like you're you're like i don't think i would want to live on the the site of the prison it just no i don't think i would either yeah yeah so bobby and randy actually have have two children that are also apparently living in prison housing um and uh you know bobby and uh this guy dial are working pretty closely together to run this arts program for the prison because dial Dial actually has like an aptitude for art right yeah he was a he was painting or something in his cell there were some paintings that they showed uh randy really thought that dial was trying to exert too much influence over the arts program though and uh that's what he was concerned about dial exerting too much it was the arts program (laughs) not his wife bobby Anyways, um, so August 30th, 1994, very normal, very cool morning. Uh, Randy and Bobby have breakfast with the daughters, send them off to school. Randy leaves for work, uh, so on and so forth. Randy comes home uh, to find, uh, he comes home for lunch. So this house must be right next to the prison. He comes home for lunch and then he finds a note from Bobby just saying she had gone shopping and she left him a sandwich in the refrigerator and he had no reason to believe anything was amiss at that point. Um, Randy comes home uh, or Randy goes back to work. The daughter calls close to 5 p.m. and says um, Bobby had not returned. Um, And then Randy says, oh, no, no, no worries. She went gone shopping and don't worry about it um you know 30 minutes later randy comes home from work bobby's still not back now they're starting to wonder if something had happened and it's around the same time uh that the uh prison uh what are they called guards they notice that dial has not come back to his cell Mm -hmm. Mm. so now they're now they're both missing and randy is afraid that dial had kidnapped bobby um okay so then later uh bobby's mother gets a call from bobby and um bobby basically instructs her mom to call randy and and the daughters and says that she loves them um and then so now the mother's like oh my god something terrible has happened um bobby calls her best friend the next day same message uh friend says that bobby's being held against her will um and then about a day later her van is found abandoned across the texas border so it's in the the, un- the unknown at this point <laughs> right. texas it's gone now 
Okay. Good luck tracking them um, down. I hope you got a spaceship, suckers. Yeah, right. Uh, they do find uh, no evidence of a struggle, but the authorities do find that there are cigarette butts of the brand that Dial smoked at the scene. Um, and Randy has all this evidence after asking around that he believes that Dial had drugged and kidnapped Bobby. Um, so about 10 days after Bobby disappears, she makes one final phone call, this to her sister-in-law. Again, interesting she never calls home. Do you notice that? Yeah, that's... Um, she calls the mom, her best friend, and then her husband's sister. Like, I'm definitely going to be interested in hear, hearing what your in- inference is uh, from what that from that and what that might indicate yeah Yeah. that's interesting that's interesting i didn't really catch that but um basically after that call from 10 days of her missing people figured that would be the last time you know dial would let her make a phone call um so that was in let's see yeah so that was in august uh september 1994 in Galveston, Texas, um, somebody believes that they saw Bobby, although her hair was wrong, so she's either wearing a wig or she dyed her hair, saw Bobby and Dial at an art sale. So right. That makes sense. I guess he's plying his trade to stay on the run. That's, that, um, that, that's very interesting. Like, of all the things that people on the run are doing for money, like, I never... <laughs> Mm-hmm. I never would have thought to like picture someone like, you know, this, this escaped convict. He's like, he's having an art show. <laughs> come, mm-hmm. come, come, you know, buy, buy some of these paintings I made. And it's like, wow, it's, it's kind of a odd sort of hiding in the open kind of uh, mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. And I, in the reenactment, like they, like this particular Re, uh, reenactment i guess is going with the premise that she is uh, she's not voluntarily a part of this and you know so they kind yes, of make her look she like she's been... like she's seated at mm-hmm. the, the the desk with the money box just kind of looking scared so yeah the family thinks she has been kidnapped and that's the tack unsolved mysteries is taking and then we get a white text update that after 10 years 10 years dial was arrested in east texas on a chicken ranch um bobby was found working on the farm shortly afterwards and she uh dial maintained that he had kidnapped bobby and that bobby had not tried to escape because he she was afraid that dial would harm her or her family mm-hmm. um dial ends up dying in prison so he gets arrested and then he's sentenced and he he dies in prison in 2007 um and then that's it for the white text update pretty much yep so I... i'm kind of interested mm. in what you're thinking uh, was I think, I don't think, and I don't want to, if this, I'm sorry if it was the case, in fact, that Bobby was taken against her will, but I don't think she was. 
it doesn't quite feel that way yeah like i mean it's yeah. it's it's possible certainly plausible because like there's all sorts of like cases of people being kidnapped and ostensibly it seems like they would have plenty of opportunities to escape but they don't just because like fear yeah uh so i mean we can't discount that possibility but it's just like you know and and certainly like i mean there's some cases of like uh you know you read about like people get kidnapped and they're literally like you know like uh like they could just walk home but they don't because like th- their kidnappers right. put them in such a headspace. Um, but uh, it seems like maybe she ran off with this guy. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Um, the authorities kind of agree with that. And the thing that unsolved mysteries didn't mention. Ooh. Uh, is that uh, Bobby was brought up on charges? Oh, dial escape. And in 2011, she went on trial, and prosecutors claimed to have found photos, emails, handwritten letters, and condoms in Bobby and Dial's trailer that indicated they were a willing couple. Even though Dial went to his grave saying that he had kidnapped her, and there was no romantic relationship, and I think Dial definitely did that to protect Bobby from. Yeah, I mean, from uh, and, what inevitably ended up happening was her being prosecuted. And in fact, she was convicted. Oh wow! And uh, she served six months and then went back to her family. And she maintains that she did not help Dial escape, but obviously, um, uh, the courts thought otherwise. So, well, I mean, six months seems uh, adequate. I, I can only assume going back to. <laughs> <laughs> to her husband <laughs> was punishment enough mm-hmm. uh, i i mean it, it's funny like when when they first started the segment and they were showing dial and i was like god like why would anyone fall in love with this guy and then when we meet the assistant warden i'm like okay i could kind of see how dial would be more interesting than this guy <laughs> Yeah, and I I don't know if you rem- remember that whole story. They made they made a television movie or something with Patricia Arquette escape from Danamora. Okay. She was a female prison guard that helped. But it, it feels like it's a little more common. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, it happens. Yeah, it happens. It's just. Yeah. Um, well, even if it's just even if it's just the sedu- the initial seduction to try and get out of prison, you know. Um, and to have someone on the outside help you with that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's almost a trope at this point, I think. Right, right. But no, the total. fact that Bobby and Dial were seemingly willingly together for a decade until the law caught up with him. I mean, and in, in, in what in what sense? And, and that Dial, like, basically threw himself on his sword to protect yeah. her like look if this yeah. was all me you know she i she was my you know i kidnapped her and and stuff like i mean the style guy in the aggregate maybe maybe you know he's a piece of shit i mean he did murder someone but like i he was will convicted get... of murdering someone oh yeah yeah which is different than murdering someone <laughs> that's true that's true but i i will give but i mean i will give him the hat tip like okay yeah you know you like you genuinely like tried to protect uh 
the scow that that you i yeah. yeah i can't um i can't disparage that um and yeah it's uh i i'm certain well i mean and i guess now that the law seems to concur with this view i get my my i can just come out and say it i yeah i i, I I very much had the feeling that she helped him es- uh, escape. And as you pointed yeah. out with the phone call thing, like she, she called like three people that were not, uh, uh, her husband. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that's just cause like her husband maybe would like be able to detect like, wait, something's wrong here. She seems, mm-hmm. she, <laughs> she doesn't genuinely seem scared or something or, you know, like, you, mm-hmm. um, uh, I I thought it was interesting. I maybe they were doing like they avoided doing this to spare uh, the feelings of the uh, uh, of the assistant warden. But I kind mm-hmm. of I often feel like sometimes because in many previous unsolved mystery segments, when they're sort of competing hypotheses about what's going on, we you kind of at least at least get like a cursory little reenactment of like the alternative scenario um mm-hmm. which we don't in this and i guess they're doing they're doing that because like it would have been pretty uh, a real kick in the teeth the this assistant warden's uh, face if there was like a reenactment of like uh, of his wife and dial like because i kind of felt because they're talking about this like alternative view that like she helped him escape as like the vehicle the vans driving along and I thought we were going to get like a pull up to the van and the windows and like it was going to be dial and, and the wardens and Bobby like laughing while like having bottles of champagne in their hand or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Um, uh, well, uh, I guess Bobby helped uh, <laughs> helped dial escape. Um, there you go. <laughs> so, the last segment. I'm sorry, did you want to say anything else about Bobby and Dial? No. Yeah. Uh, I didn't. Yeah. Um, the last segment's just a, a real quick one. Uh, mm-hmm. We start with a, some some footage of the Grand Canyon. Have you been to the wow. Grand Canyon? I have. Yeah. Have you? Have you been to the Grand Canyon? I I rarely leave my front door, much less <laughs> go to. I I don't I don't believe I have. I guess if I had, I would have remembered it, right? Yeah, Grand Canyon was the same trip as Taos for me. It's the same. Oh, it was that same trip. It's a, a real kid. southwestern trip. Hmm. Yeah, we did the we did the southwestern shuffle. Ah, did 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 you stop by Tombstone? We did not. That is in the southern part of Arizona. We didn't if you had said yes, I would have just been like, "What the? F- oh, okay, oh, no, yeah. I've right, ne- no, I've part. never been to Tombstone. Yeah, the no. southern part of Arizona. It, what's well, when I went on my cross country trip, I didn't quite realize mm. 
because uh, it's kind of like a lot of Arizona is a sort of out of the way detour if you're just like if you're on the um whatever the interstate is going from west to east uh, uh for it's mm, 40 interstate 40 40 okay think, mm, 40 yeah yeah because it's like um I mean, if you wanted to go to Phoenix, you basically had to turn south from that and drive a few more hours yeah. or, or whatnot. I was like, oh, yeah. I, I was I was kind of like expecting I'd be passing through it. But it's like, no, it looks like it's uh, I'm just going I'm just going through uh, uh, another bit of Arizona. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so this uh, this the segment's about a guy named Robert. Arcieri. 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 Arcieri? Arcieri. Yes, okay. Arcieri. Arcieri. I'm, I'm sure our fans love this sort of stuff. Anyway, this is a great bit. Yeah, that we're doing. <laughs> super fun. Um, we haven't gotten any letters complaining about it, so I'll su- assume they're fine with us. Uh, no, doing it. there's no letters complaining about it. Just people have just stopped listening entirely. <laughs> there's no one to complain. Left. Right. Um. So, the, like, this this is uh they sort of they they get to the the ending point right at the beginning where like he allegedly uh drowned in the colorado river uh mm-hmm. but then we get some background on him they show him in phoenix uh where he's kind of like this wheeler and dealer guy i'm not even entirely sure mm-hmm. like they say that like if you needed anything from what was it a camper shell to something else like literally mm-hmm. Like like a hot dog like hot dog buns or something not that but like yeah. literally that level of like you well can... he owned a, a pretzel company pretzels that's it yeah yeah oh yeah. oh he it was he actually owned a pretzel I must have missed that a pretzel so that was his front yeah. business for his criminal enterprises gotcha uh, right. yeah so if you needed anything from a pretzel to a camper shell you could go to him yeah and so this the the like. The victi- In- inherently i would not trust someone like that no you know what i mean it's like are you pretzels or are you camper shells <laughs> those seem like suspiciously disparate items yeah uh, it really does yeah well so we they interview a particular individual uh, gentleman who went and bought a camper shell from this guy and ended up having like a, a series of transactions that apparently um were uh didn't have any problems with them so he kind of developed a bit of trust to this guy to the point where he brought him over to his house and they were having drinks or whatnot with his wife and they're showing him off these uh what what kind of dolls are these because they say they're like china dolls china china dolls i i've never encountered these things before that's because you've never been to phoenix i guess I guess I need to go down to Phoenix. Apparently, got to get down there. Yeah, gotta get I, down, see some Kachina dolls, catch a Suns game. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there's all 
sorts of other things to do in Phoenix, right? Tons of stuff to do in Phoenix. Yeah. And uh, the like, they kind of just casually drop that these China dolls are collectively worth like seventy five thousand dollars. And then, uh, I I guess, I mean, this is just all part of the typical bragging people like to do. The uh, husband is just like, oh, I also have some antique guns, some Smith and Wessons. Uh, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go, go, I'll go, bring them out. And we sort of have this cut to him opening his safe and Miss, mm-hmm. Mr. Arcieri, uh like w- steps into the doorway and is kind of like looking at him and the husband describes, you know, he's like kind of describes that uh, uh, Arcieri was kind of, you know, he's playing it nonchalant. Like he was just not like, like he wasn't super interested, just sort of like, mm-hmm. Oh, you know, like, you know, like oh, this is neat and whatever. Um, Jump to later, and uh, the wife is coming home from a day at work. Uh, and sure, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and like she comes home, and immediately alarm bells are going off because the things look different. Like all the uh, mm-hmm. all the dolls are lined at, lined out on the couch, which I thought was weird. because mm-hmm. I, I I thought we were. Yeah. I think because like my initial thought was she's coming home after the robbery had happened and like they so they had like come in, taken the dolls down from the shelves and then just lined them up on the couch. That feels more like a yeah. prank than a robbery. Um, right. Well, as it turns out, I guess that was just they, they were lining them out because they're getting them sorted and ready for like when uh, uh, taking. Um mm-hmm. Because, uh, like, a man in a ski mask appears, and then another one uh, uh, appears as well, and it turns out this is a robbery situation, and that's all she remembers, because, like, they do a little reenactment of her about to get hit on the he- back of the head. Um, yeah. So her memory's a bit fuzzy from there on out. Uh, and as it turns out, Mr. Arcieri... Uh, bit of a long con uh with mm-hmm. with him he will he his his thing is to like make acquaintances with people and know them for like months if not years uh so to the point where like they will have long forgotten that they'd showed him like incredibly valuable things because in the interim mm-hmm. they've probably shown dozens if not more people the same thing uh yeah and then, and then that's when he strikes. That's when right. he strikes. Um, apparently, and like a p- a police began suspecting this guy. They had a, a whole thing where they're going to have um, someone wired up, uh, uh, like a this is a, there's a whole thing with like a professional hitman uh, being mm-hmm. involved, yeah. and uh, so they they had a little meeting where they were trying to get him to like, you know, just explicitly say like who he wanted whacked or whatever. And the, but I don't know if RC area was getting suspicious or whatever. He's like, no, it's off. It's off. Which yeah. I mean, so they didn't get the slam duck like recording they wanted, but it was certainly enough to mm-hmm. like confirm the police. Like, Oh yeah, this guy is totally, <laughs> totally whatever. So he gets charged with like seven charges of stuff including being the head of a criminal syndicate, which I didn't even realize was a charge. Um, uh, yep. Yeah. It, it is. 
<laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, I would assume I would have thought that like the individual actions of the criminal syndicate would be the charges, not just. I mean, it's kind of like if like you can't like I mean you a char like you can't be charged with just being a member of a gang, right? Like if you didn't actually go out and do any gang type stuff. Can't you though? I mean, I don't really know how Rico charges work, but I think that's kind of how they work. Oh, oh, is this a oh, it's a Rico thing? Okay, all right. I think. I don't know. No, no, thank you, thank you for pointing it out to me. I hadn't even thought of it approaching from that angle. Okay, you're right. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. I assume. Um, and but then like the the seven charges get dropped, I guess, because police were actually hoping that like. The authorities were thinking that they, they could actually assemble a, a far stronger case with other charges that would really hammer this guy. Um, so yep. we cut to a reenactment of a trip down the Colorado River, ostensibly to celebrate the charges being dropped. But yep. I mean, surely I think at this point, Mr. Arcieri understands exactly what's going on and that he has not like. One, he has merely got, he's merely in sort of the eye of the hurricane at this yeah. moment. And uh, so we, we have a, a little party of, of people, you know, there's like, there's, there's what, what his nephew or something. And then mm -hmm. uh, a guy named Ray Brown. And then another person who refused, like he speaks with, to unsolved mysteries and shadows and you know doesn't want his name shared and i can't mm -hmm. really understand exactly what the purpose of that is because i i realize that he's worried that arcieri may come after him but if he was mm -hmm. on the trip wouldn't arcieri already know who he was so that like if he's watching unsolved i don't i don't think that guy was on the trip because what they say is there was another person that was on the boat that did not want to be interviewed oh okay so the guy in shadow i think might have been the hitman that talked to the cops oh i see okay well then that would make sense thank you for clearing that up um, okay and and no yeah problem. yeah the guy in the um so what we get is the situation where they dock somewhere to like i guess use the bathroom uh and there's like a splash or something and they come out mm -hmm. and what do you know robert arcieri is is gone it seems that maybe uh apparently what we're supposed to believe is he must have stumbled and hit his head on the dock or something and fallen into the river mm -hmm. and got swept down to where apparently they were only a couple miles down from some rapids mm -hmm. very convenient yes um and so, like the 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 hitman that he described, who in the reenactment, the person portraying him is wearing like the Marty McFly life preserver vest. Mm -hmm. Only the action uh, as an actual uh, life preserver, um, and like the the nephew comes running up, and he's like, "Oh!" And they they go running down the dock, and it's like, "Oh my goodness!" And they're looking around trying to figure out what's happened to this guy. And it's funny because in the interview, uh, the darkened figure who uh, says like, oh, he totally like ran off. Right. Like he yeah. 
He got He's in. He's like he didn't even get his fucking feet wet. Yeah, that guy is alive. <laughs> he cl- clearly there was a vehicle waiting for him that he could just drive away yeah. in. Um, yeah. Contrast that with uh, a, a guy with Mr. Ray Brown, who is like, oh no, you know, I uh, he must have drowned because he wouldn't have run off. He was a family man. And like, mm-hmm. as the more this guy talked, the more I just like hated him. Like, it's like, you just seem like a piece of trash human being. And mm-hmm. if you like to the point where if, if you're not knowingly covering up for this guy, it's because you are such an awful human being that you genuinely would just be like, yeah, he's my friend. He's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, I want yeah i know sorry i i don't like this anyway um so they did you know the the authorities they searched the river uh which must have been good news for, for robert arcieri's ears as he's driving <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> try maybe trying to make his way uh, uh to texas initially to lose them in the great expanse of <laughs> of 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 space debris and and stars and solar systems and galaxies that they they'll have to pass through to find him um mm-hmm. we get a a update a text update uh he was found uh years later uh he had been working in washington um yep. he uh under the <laughs> he had taken the name of frank reynolds <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which of course is the name of Danny DeVito's character from "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia." It perfect, perf- yeah. perfection. That I could think of no better way to end this episode of Unsolved Mysteries. Um, he was uh on the run for twenty four years. He wasn't picked up until March two thousand eleven, uh- or until June two thousand eleven. Well, he uh, at the very least, yeah. I guess that means he was able to to spend his more, the remainder of his best years uh, in freedom. Yeah, yeah. And uh, epilogue that was not mentioned in Unsolved Mysteries in 2013, our series' daughter went on Doctor Phil and admitted to helping him escape. Really? Ooh. Uh-huh. Uh huh. She had a small motor home and had parked it near Lee's Ferry near the dock. So when he disappeared that night, he just got out of the water and walked to the motor home and drove away. And that was that. And Christine knew where he was the entire time. So. Oh, man. Interesting. Yep. I mean. Yep. Yep. Yeah, exactly as we figured. Had a vehicle nearby. Uh, all right. Well. So. Well. If you're on the run from the law. Me. Head on over to. Don't email us. <laughs> yeah, don't don't email us at reenactedpod at gmail dot com. Uh, don't 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 um, don't head over to iTunes and give us a a, a ten star rating because then the the authorities will be like, oh, we got a ping, and then uh, yeah. you may want to avoid heading over to Patreon. I suppose it really uh-huh. doesn't matter whether you go with the one dollar tier or the five dollar tier, uh, uh-huh. because uh, either way, you're 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 making charges to your card, which you probably shouldn't be doing. <laughs> yeah. 
they'll definitely be able to find you that way. Yeah. For sure. Um, so I wanted to, before we do our normal thing we do at the end of an episode, uh, this is going to be the second to last episode of uh, season seven of Unsolved Mysteries. Um, the next episode is episode 21 of season seven of Unsolved Mysteries. And uh, we have decided to uh, retire, uh, not from podcasting, but from talking about Unsolved Mysteries. Uh, we've been doing this for six and a half years, <laughs> talking about Unsolved Mysteries. Um, so we're going to keep doing our pod. We're going to keep it under the reenacted brand, but we will have more information soon about what it is we're going to be talking about. Um, I think there's probably some room maybe in the future to, to take on maybe some really outstanding Unsolved Mysteries episodes again uh but uh we we do now we do have the the second half of season one to revisit because we yeah we could do that we haven't even made it to the virginia madsen slash keely shay smith uh seasons yet i mean we've been doing this for this long and that's still out there uh for us to explore but as far as that being the main focus of the pod i think um i think it's time to move on because um obviously we've kind of lost our zest or zeal for discussing unsolved mysteries. The show's kind of um, gotten harder and harder for me to pay attention to <laughs> as time goes on. Um, so we will have more information in the future. But until then, Robbie, do you want to do the thing? For every mystery, there is someone somewhere who knows the truth. Perhaps that someone's watching. Perhaps it's you.